diving Hope comes and stops us in our tracks Bravely we prove in our striving Trudging together each day Hello, everyone, and welcome to Raw Recovery, a Trudging Together podcast. My name is Dion Miller, and I will be your host today. Um, recently, I joined a group called uh, RAP. Um, and the reason I joined this group is because they were doing things that I want to do that I didn't quite understand yet because uh, I need to learn some things. We're working on legislation, making changes in Colorado, uh, intentional changes. Um, and, uh, as soon as I remembered what RAP stands for, cause I'm not quite awake yet, folks. <laughs> the Recovery Advocacy Project. Good duh. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Thank you, Melinda. And Melinda is part of our group. Um, and, um, I, I get along great with that group so far. Um, we're all, it's kind of fun to be on the same path, working on some same things together. Um. Honestly, doing the recovery show, it's always more fruitful. It's more fun to do it with other people. Um, And you learn a lot more. So, Melinda, thank you for taking your Saturday morning and coming on and and talking with us today. My pleasure. Fantastic. It's good to have you here. Um, So, Melinda does a couple of things, and I'm just going to – you guys know how this works. Um, I I am not the show – um, our speakers are the show. So at this point, I am just going to go ahead and move the reins over to on over to Melinda here. And uh, we're going to listen to what she has to say. So welcome, Melinda. You can start wherever you so choose. All right. Well, thanks. Uh, my name is Melinda, and I am a woman in long-term recovery. What welcome. that means to me, thank you. What that means to me is that despite growing up in an alcoholic and dysfunctional family and then working in an often alcoholic and dysfunctional workplace in the restaurant industry for nearly 30 years, I'm able now today to show up in ways I never dreamed possible. Mm -hmm. I am a loyal sister, a devoted daughter. Uh, I'm a voter. I'm a businesswoman. I'm a student of life for life. I'm a spiritual seeker. And I'm also uh, an advocate and ally to others in recovery who has four years and three days of um, distance between me and my last misuse of substances. Good for you. Yeah, I got my medallion this week. uh, Right. Congratulations. They say the fifth year is the hardest. Oh, great. Great. (laughs) That's the joke. Then at five years, we say the sixth year is the hardest. Then at seven, eighth year. Yeah, it's just a running joke is all it is. that, you know, it's a good direction to be looking in, though, right? Uh, what do uh-huh. they say when you're driving a car? If you're only looking in your rear view, you're going to run into something, right? So keep your eyes keep your eyes on the prize. Keep it ahead. That's it. Stay in your uh, lane. Stay in your lane, yeah. Keep keep your head on a pivot. All those, all those things they say. <laughs> uh, oh, man. So, well, today I'm actually here uh, as a, the industry peer recovery support specialist and uh, outreach uh, coordinator for culinary hospitality outreach and wellness. And the reason I do what I do today uh, requires a little bit of a backstory. So, okay. I'm going to, I'm going to act like the, uh, the older lady, Sophia on golden girls. When I say picture it, 
Okay. 2015. Okay. Um, it's a it's a Saturday night. I'm leaving work. Uh, we've just pushed out 200, 300 covers. Who knows? You lose you lose track after a while. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I'm having my shift drinks provided by my employer. If anybody listening's ever worked in a restaurant, you know what a shifty is. Yep. And you know. One is free, but free becomes three and then four becomes more. And the next thing you know, I'm like walking out of the restaurant at, you know, who knows, one o'clock in the morning or whatever. Yeah. And and I see my some of my coworkers getting on the bus to go to some of their second and third jobs. And, and I and I have the thought, what if I were to jump in front of that bus? Would this monotony, would this work, drink, sleep for a few hours, work, drink, sleep for a few hours routine ever end? Mm-hmm. Um and I didn't. I didn't do it that night, um, but that was probably one of the lowest spots in my life. And okay. uh, I went to my boss the next day. I said, Chef, I don't know what's wrong. I don't know if I can do this anymore. Um, I, I can't sleep. I'm not eating well. I mean, I'm surrounded by food all day long in the restaurant. I'm not eating well. I'm anxious all the time. I'm coming in on my days off because outside of work, there was just no meaning, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, he says to me, why don't you take some time off? Why don't you see a therapist? Mm-hmm. And that's not what I needed to hear. Um, that felt like being sent to my room. That felt like being exiled, right? And I knew it wasn't going to work anyway to take some time off because I think I had tried uh, before somewhere in that course of 30 years to, quote, just take some time off. And yeah. what happens is I would come back to work and a few days later, I'd feel just as awful and just as sick as I did before I left. Sometimes mm-hmm. worse because of all the calamity that occurs while you're on, while you, while the leader is away. Yeah. So, you know, at that point, what I needed was somebody to say to me, I care about you. You deserve mm-hmm. support, but I'm not qualified to give it. Let's get you help. Let's get together. Let's sit down in front of the computer. Let's, let's get, you know, a, let's rally the resources that are around yeah. us in this community and even in the workplace. Right. I know that there were people there probably who were seeing therapists or going to AA or doing that, that kind of stuff, but they weren't talking about it. Mm-hmm. Like, Come on, people talk about it. Share your story. It's going to save a life. Could have saved mine. Mm-hmm. Um, but so that didn't happen. And since I couldn't get healthy and stay in my job, I quit my job. Okay. And, uh, and that, you know, that was the end of my career in like fine, fine dining. Um, okay. After that, I went to culinary or went to college. I was 42 <laughs> years old, going to college for the first time uh, in, a, in a serious way. I, okay. I'm the type of person who was still doing uh, inventory by hand, right? So like all the technology, <laughs> the drop boxes, the D2L, the Blackboard, all yeah. these online <laughs> platforms. I was like, I don't know if I could do this. I really don't know if I could do this. But um, gratefully, I met um, some people who brought me into a 12-step program called Alcoholics or Adult Children of Alcoholics Anonymous. Okay. And uh, so, you know, my recovery story kind of starts breach. I, I focused on the emotional sobriety piece. Mm-hmm. Wow. And then I found that, you know, which is what Bill Wilson talks about in that Grapevine article, The Next Frontier to People Who've Recovered from Alcoholism um, or Are Recovering from Alcoholism. Yeah, if, we want it, if you want to hear it, I've got it right here. Nice. Well, I mean, the emotional sobriety piece is so important, right? Because it is. Really, 
whether you're using food as a coping strategy or you're yep. using, uh, you know, narcotics or you're using alcohol or you're using sex or you're using codependency or using work, whatever it is, these are all coping strategies for the same disease. Yeah. Being a spirit trapped in a body on this earth, right? Basically. Um, and yeah. the discomfort that comes with that. Um, and so I, I think the words emotional sobriety tend to scare a lot of people that aren't ready, especially men. Um, yeah. And, you know, emotional sobriety, real, I mean, in a simplistic form means that I do, I am who I am without any outside force. My happiness is my own. My sadness is my own. My anger is my own. And I can accept those and work with them. I can actually right. work with these emotions now instead of putting on my dukes and fighting them. You know, now I come into agreement with it. Yeah, I'm depressed. Let's go do something. You know, yeah. and your mind, your your track in your mind changes on what you're going to do. That's why emotional sobriety is so important because we need to rewire that brain. Absolutely. And it's so funny because there's, you know, nine, uh, I don't know, it's not a real statistic. I'm totally making this up, but 90% of us probably um, are control freaks. We want oh, yeah. to control everything around us and we want to even control everything in us, right? Mm -hmm. But we don't know what's in there. So emotional sobriety kind of gives you the opportunity to kind of know where the call is coming from. You know, that, that horror movie sort of analogy of, mm -hmm. you know, when we don't know where the bad guy is, but we know they're in the house, we're really scared. But once we know which room they're in, there's just this like fingertip back on the control, right? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I know they're in the bedroom. I'm in the basement. Okay. But like when you don't know where they are, when you don't know where your emotions are at today, when you can't name them in order to tame them, they're mm -hmm. just, a, they're just running amok, right? So that's a good analogy that we want to be in control. We can't be, if we can't be in control, if we can't name our emotions, we can't control our emotions. That's right. That's right. And that's a awareness. And awareness comes back to honesty. Yeah. Being, being 100% honest with yourself, which I think is, that was probably the hardest thing that I did because I didn't know what, there again, what, like you were saying, it was the unknown. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what it looked like. Mm -hmm. I thought I was going to lose myself. God forbid. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that was the whole point was to get rid of this old self though. Right. So it turned out that, you know, it was okay. And it was nice to stand before God with a clean slate. Yeah. Yeah, they say wonderful. this, you know, all of recovery, it's not a self-improvement program, none of it, no matter the pathway you take, you could be using smart recovery, refuge mm -hmm. recovery, dharma recovery, AA, NA, you name it, you could yeah. be just doing therapy, you could be doing yoga, I mean, you could be doing the uh, amino acid transfusions, I mean, you could be doing anything to recover, uh, but it's not self-improvement, really, at the end of the day, what it comes down to is self-abandonment, right, the, the false yes. self-abandonment, getting rid of everything that's not you to find out what is you underneath it all. Yeah. And so that's that's the pathway I set off on. And for about two years, uh, I was continuing to drink uh, okay. because in, in that program, you know, it drink, you know, I didn't recognize drinking as my problem yet. So here I am. Okay. I'm taking I'm taking antidepressant medication while consuming copious amounts of depressant elixir known as alcohol. Okay. Uh, talk about your all time backfires. Here I am wondering yeah. why the pills aren't working. Yep. And then I'm also taking anti-anxiety medication Ooh. while chugging anxiety elixirs every day, known as caffeine and energy drinks, mm -hmm. right? So 
like, and I could not have told you I was doing something wrong. I could not have told you there was a connection between drinking depressants and, and drinking stimulants and then mm-hmm. wondering why the depressed antidepressants and anti-anxiety pills didn't work. It, I was yep. just oblivious. But ultimately, um, when I got to step four in those programs, hardly matters what program you're in. Step four is there you go. same inventory. What yep. am I doing to sabotage my life today, basically? Mm-hmm. Am I holding on to old <laughs> memories, traumas from my childhood that would be better exercised, right? Not exercised as in physically, but I mean, like, I was thinking about this this morning, the whole concept of, of uh, Catholic exorcism, right? Is okay. basically somebody comes in and lifts the bad spirits out of you, right? Well, what is yeah. a meeting but an opportunity to have 20 or 30 people around you lift the bad spirits out of you and, and yeah. hopefully not let them go back in, right? So, so I did the exorcism, and what I found uh, was that I was sabotaging myself by continuing to drink alcohol. And as soon yep. as I stopped, my life catapulted. Like I was making a lot of progress. I was learning about myself. I was around women who were empowering and honest, okay. which was a new thing for me. My my mother and my father were never honest. They did not know. So I, I wasn't modeled what is honesty. You know, uh, when I would ask them questions and they didn't have the answers, they'd make something up. And then, so I, I, from a very young age, I was like, well, what, what, what is this honesty stuff, right? Mom's trying to make the, the, the stories of our childhood is as positive as possible, but her story doesn't match my story. Mm-hmm. Like, who's, who's the honest one here, right? Um, so I got around a bunch of women who replaced what I had internalized over the last 30 years in the restaurant industry. The restaurant industry, again, for anybody listening, you already know this, but it's built on the backbone of the military brigade system. Our American culinary system is okay. so the same issues that plague the military, like trauma bonding, like anxiety and depression, PTSD, uh, complex PTSD, disordered mm-hmm. eating, like all of that that exists in the, in the, in the military and veterans community exists in the restaurant industry, as well as sexual harassment, gambling problems, addiction to pornography, work addiction, you know, all this mm-hmm. thing. Um, so I had internalized all that and I had begun to believe uh, that that's what, that's what life could be. And that was, that was it. And, and that's who I was. And that was it. I was the drinking, swearing, control freak, yelling, alcoholic leader, right. Mm-hmm. Who, uh, who had to be responsible for the success or failure of everything around me. And, um, and finally I got into this other environment where I, I began to be able to replace some of those things that I'd internalized with, more positive things. And I think that's what, that's what a lot of recovery is, right? They say the opposite of addiction isn't sobriety, it's connection with yeah. healthier people who can, mm-hmm. in essence, if, if medically you're getting a blood transfusion, spiritually, you're getting a soul transfusion. And so I got yeah. around women who, um, who were able to pour into me and it was hard at first. And again, I don't know, women out there listening to this podcast, Women are taught where it's ingrained from the day we're born to compete with other people for what scarce resources there are left in the world. Yeah. Like not going on some sort of like male bashing thing because men are also taught to compete with one another and absolutely whatever resources are available. But there seems to be so much fewer resources available to women that we that's why you get two or three women in a workplace and it, you know, it, it's havoc. 
right? Everybody's yeah. buying for, for the scraps of power, the scraps of money, the scraps of attention and the steam that you can get from a, from a workplace. But I got into a healthier environment. I graduated from school and was able to design an individualized degree that allowed me to take my life experience in the restaurant for 30 years and combine it wow. with, with addiction counseling. Yeah. So that I could get out. Yeah and turn the recovery lens and the, and the, you know, the, the mental health lens back on the industry and help the peers that I left behind another parallel to the military, right? Like no peer left behind that's right. on the ground, right? Let's, let's, let's go back and let's get you. Um, so that's what I do today. And that's, that's, that's where you met me. And at, at the recovery advocacy project, I came as a, as a representative of culinary hospitality, outreach and wellness. We are a uh, mental health and recovery focused peer group here in Denver, Colorado Springs and Steamboat Springs. Okay. Uh, we host meetings for folks who work in the restaurant industry or have ever worked in the restaurant industry because we love our industry vets um, and culinary students too, because we understand that while the restaurant industry remains a toxic and sick environment, thanks to pandemic uh, causes, as well as long lived causes in the restaurant industry, like all the things I named earlier. Um, we want to help prevent a continuation yeah. of the intergenerational restaurant. Yeah. It's not any day you're trying to break a generational cycle, just yeah. like I am in my own family. Absolutely. Good for exactly. you. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. How, and, you know, and, and I'm glad that you do that. And you guys, there's a lot of specified groups for, for the type of work. Because there's some people that need to remain anonymous mm -hmm. in this program because it would destroy their reputation because of stigma and, and what people think. So we have to be careful. We're very careful about our people. Um, you know, uh, Melinda and I, we can sit here and, and talk and tell our truths, but that's because, you know, we're in a position to do that. So if you feel like you're in a position where other people cannot know we can certainly keep your anonymity you know like pilots mm -hmm. you know there's a big lot of aa pilots there certainly <laughs> we are be happy about yeah right? yeah i'd rather have a, a pilot in recovery than one not exactly you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> then walk in the walk and see them go to the you know walk the red carpet into the bar so yeah and that's the weird thing, right? So in 2016, as I was in school to get my degree, I kind of overshot the target. Um, I just wanted to help people. And mm -hmm. at the time, there were so few jobs for peer recovery specialists that the only way I found to be able to help people was to go get my degree, become a licensed alcohol drug counselor, that kind of thing okay. in Minnesota. Um, uh, but along the way, I took the peer recovery coach training and the peer mental health specialist training. And I got so angry at Dion, I got so angry. And sometimes anger is a great motivator because yep. of what you just shared. They have recovery groups just for pilots. They have recovery groups just for lawyers. They have recovery groups just for judges and teachers and higher mm -hmm. education, like college professors. They've got uh, recovery circles for just nurses. They've got recovery groups for clergy. Where was the recovery group for us? Where were the restaurant people? There's 17 million of us in the United States. 17 uh -huh. million of us. Wow. Where's the recovery group just for us? So I want to give a shout out to a group that, that is like doing work similar to ours 
it's really great organization. It's called Ben's Friends Hope. Um, And they are an abstinence focused. They don't touch on the mental health. They don't touch on the harm reduction. They're an abstinence focused, sort of built on the skeleton of AA um, just for restaurant workers. And they have 25 online groups per week broadcast from various cities. So if you're in this time zone and it's later, it's early, there might be something in that for you. So um, I can't say enough good things about them. They've, they've helped a lot of chefs because um, they've been around since about 20, I want to say 2017 or 2018. Okay. Again, a group that formed out of a traumatic loss of a chef friend who had taken his life as a result of substance use and, and okay. unresolved mental health issues. So so bensfriendshope.com um, is how you find them. But Chow here locally, because we love the locals, right? Chow Mm -hmm. meets at 1633 Fillmore on Monday nights. um, And we cast a hybrid meeting from that location. We also have uh, a live meeting in Steamboat Springs on Tuesday afternoon at Rex's Grill. We've got a live Tuesday meeting in Colorado Springs at seven o'clock at night, uh, broadcast from celebrity chef Brother Ross cooking studio. And wow. then we also have groups uh, just for women on Tuesday mornings, all virtual, uh, Spanish speakers, Tuesday night, all virtual, and Wednesday, 3 p.m., a midday thing, just to kind of get you set up for going into a busy weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, we do it all virtual as well. And we've got people joining us from Vancouver and Pennsylvania yeah. and all over the country, California and Texas and Mississippi. And then we've also got a a nice little cluster of locals here in Colorado who attend regularly, who have multiple pathways to recovery. So if you're looking for someone who's not going to beat the 12 step drum, like we're, we're your, we're your people. Yeah. Welcome all pathways. No, I think anymore, anybody that um, is working with people, that are trying to get into recovery. I think multiple pathways is important. Mm-hmm. Um, I I love AA. I will AA will be my thing, but I love the structure mm-hmm. of it, and that's why I like it because it's structured. I know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. There's no crosstalk. You know, those are things that make me feel comfortable. Um, there's some people that want to go into ones where it's, you know, people are cross-hawking and hugging and throwing parties. And, and that, you know, like you were saying earlier, the work's the same. Right. You're still going to yeah. do the work. So you're not going to escape that just because you chose a route. Yeah. Um, the work needs to be done or you're just going to be um, well, a sober horse thief. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I love that analogy. You get a alcoholic horse thief take away the alcohol you still got a horse thief yeah that's it you just have a a better one yeah yeah and i really like what you're doing with the peer-to-peer because it just brings nobody can help another alcoholic like another alcoholic now i'm not saying normies can't help because they can't uh when we allow them Mm -hmm. you know but an alcoholic can come along and and break down your barriers and then when you get people together that um, have their own verbiage, mm-hmm. like you guys will have your own inside jokes, um, things like that. That pulls people in even more. Absolutely. And, um, I mean, and it makes them feel, it gives them hope, and it makes mm-hmm. them feel like they're at home. Absolutely. I, I was just talking to somebody the other day about the def- my definition of hope, and I think maybe it came from the big book. You know, if once you've been in the rooms for a couple of years, 
this stuff starts sliding out of you and you're like, where did that come from? And you, usually someone's like, oh yeah, that's on page 86 or something. But um, yeah. yeah, my definition of hope is the, the, the belief or even the consideration that something that works for you might work for me too. And yeah. so like when you talk about the value of peer support, um, one of the things that when I first started seeking a, a therapist and I'm still in the restaurant industry, Basically, I went in and I, you know, verbal diarrhea all over the place. I'm like, here's here's my life in a nutshell. It's all horrible. Um, and the person's just like, would you consider changing your job? I don't know that you can get well working in the restaurant industry. And mm. that was not what I needed to hear. No. Thanks, person with all the alphabet suit behind your name. But clearly, you've never worked in the restaurant industry. You don't yeah. get me. I'm going to go somewhere else. And it took me six months to go and look for another therapist, right? And this mm -hmm. is really common to a lot of people's stories. If they don't have a good experience with their first therapist, they stop looking, right? Yeah. So, like, I needed somebody, like a peer supporter, to be like, yeah, it sucks that that first one wasn't a fit, but when are you going to look for the next, you know, yeah. because don't give up on therapy just because of the therapist. That's like giving up on dating because you had one bad boyfriend or girlfriend. That's right. right. So like with therapy, it took me a couple tries to find somebody who used a, a, a therapy that I appreciated like CBT. I, I analyze myself enough. I don't need more CBT. You know, uh, I, know what the, I know what the action is. I know what the behavior is and I know what it causes. That's great. Um, but what worked for me was um, acceptance and commitment therapy. Okay. Um, that's, that's, that's what got me to like, I needed structure. I needed accountability. I couldn't have named that. Although what is a job in the restaurant industry besides yeah. structure and accountability, you know, you're yeah. going to be every day, <laughs> you know, what's going to happen there and you know, what's going to happen when you leave. But, um, you know, earlier in my life, the, my other trajectory would have been going into the military. Little did I know how similar they were both going to be. But, um, but peer support's great because they kind of hold you in your skin. Like you mentioned breaking down barriers. As a peer supporter, I don't try to break down anything. I invite people out from behind their barriers and mm -hmm. then I, I hold them there um, so that they're, they don't go back behind the barrier again. I'm like, hey, look, this environment over here is actually a lot nicer than over there behind your barrier. Like mm -hmm. over here, you can breathe. Over here, you feel understood. Over here, you're being asked to answer questions at your comfort level um, mm -hmm. and not, you know, not told that any of those answers are wrong. Today, I was thinking a little bit about my first couple of meetings I went to and how much it felt like detention because <laughs> it was quiet and mm -hmm. not a lot of people were talking and I wasn't being invited to talk. I'm like held in the space, but nobody like asked me a question. Mm -hmm. Although yeah. here in Colorado, they do things a little differently than they did in Minnesota. In Minnesota, there's no, well, at least I didn't go to any of all the hundreds of meetings I probably went to in Minnesota. I never went to one that was a, what do they call it, red ball group. Have you ever heard of red ball group here? They like no. toss the ball to you. If somebody tosses the ball to you, you have to answer a question. Oh, about so it. yeah, they're a tag meeting essentially. Yeah. Tag meeting. Okay. Yeah. Uh, in Minnesota, they're all popcorn meetings. So if you don't want to yeah. speak, don't have to but nobody calls on you either okay. so um so it did sometimes it felt a little bit like detention if nobody walked up to me i left feeling well well that group sucked you know um it was just uh i i needed to be pulled out of my shell gently and so that's what i found in aca um and now mm -hmm. i gently pull people out of the rooms whatever room i'm in i, I yeah my best to pull people out or you know absolutely into, I pull them into a different space than they walked in the door in. 
Yeah, but if I chair a meeting and nobody's talking, I start calling on people. Do you? Yeah, yeah. a lot of them. You know, and I get, but I always like to leave it open too. Hey, mm -hmm. do you want to share? If they don't want to share, they don't have to. They're not required to. Um, but a lot of times I found that sometimes people will feel a part of when you do that too. Hey, thanks for calling on me. I didn't really have much to say, but it's nice to be recognized. Absolutely. Um, you know, hey, dude, you're over there. You're looking kind of down. You're doing all right? You know, um, we can't be scared to ask people questions mm -hmm. on how they're doing, um, especially the friends that are doing good all the time. Those are the ones I pick on because they're full of it. It's so true. It's, well, I mean, all the memes that went around at the beginning of the pandemic, hey, everybody check on your strong friends, right? Because the ones who are like supporting others aren't getting supported, right? And what are they pouring from if, if they're yeah. not getting support themselves, right? It's so yeah. important for when I was looking for a sponsor to find somebody who had a sponsor too, right? So that mm -hmm. I knew it was like trickling down like one of those little like water garden fountains, you know? Yeah. But also with Chow, the opposite side is also mental health. Um, okay. You know, I don't see there being a separation. There's even organizations called, uh, there's one called inseparable. It's, it's tough to do. Mental health is substance use and substance use is a symptom of mental health. So it's like. Um, it goes they, hand in hand. Yeah. They really do. They really do. Yeah. Um, and so the tools used for mental health are slightly different, but, you yeah. know, uh, so our organization, what we do is we provide connections to professional mental health organizations in the community. If you're a restaurant worker and you're not provided insurance, we can get you connected with Kesset Wellness, our partners, nice. who offers sliding scale or free mental health services virtually in the community, Colorado, anywhere in Colorado, uh, which also really helps the people who are out in rural communities uh, I found a staggering statistic the other day, something like that 86% of our agricultural communities are misusing substances as a result of like, you know, agricultural work, whether it's physical pain or emotional yeah. pain, that they're, you know, they're not getting to places where they feel supported. Like maybe in the past it was churches now, you know, because of the growing cycle, they can't even get off to go to church or anything. Yeah. Like that. Um, so uh, yeah. So Chow can get people connected to that. We can also, um, we're, we host these peer meetings, but we also do a mental health training for restaurants because employers are already strapped so thin in the restaurant yeah. industry with the labor shortage and the, we've never made a ton of money. Your, your, your favorite celebrity chef is hardly making anything. The profit margin uh, in restaurants yeah. is so skinny, right? Yeah. Um, so we offer to go uh, invite restaurants to mental health trainings to help their people talk to each other a little bit better Absolutely. to be more human, to ask the right questions. Um, so yeah, there's, there's no wrong, there's no wrong door. There's no wrong door to enter, uh, an improved way of life, whether we're talking about mental health or whether we're talking about substance use. You know, we, we, we recognize and honor all of them. Um, and, uh, See, I'm doing a lot of that also where where it's very intentional on what I'm doing. Um, I can't throw, so you know, this isn't a sales job where I can throw it against the wall and hope it sticks. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, everything that I have, that I do has to be transparent. Um, and, and I have to be very informative. But even more than that, if I don't do what it is that I talk about, then people don't really believe me. So you have to be esteemable. 
mm-hmm. with a lot of this, especially if you're going to get into recovery coaching. Yeah. Um, I think there was a misconception about recovery coaching. Um, I can make it very, very easy, even for the people. And it wasn't the people outside. It was the recovery coaches that were confused on their job. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're, it's still really confusing. Well, what it comes down to is a recovery coach is only as good as their referrals or their resources. Mm-hmm. You're a resource mm-hmm. person. So yeah. you, that's, that's what you are. Yeah. Um, and you do that by having good intentional conversations, meeting a person where they are at and listening to them. Mm-hmm. Let them go on for an hour and listen to them. They will give you all the answers that you need. Mm-hmm. They really will. My coach doesn't coddle me. No, uh, my, no, no. She she pushes. Um, she, you know, yesterday even uh, we met. You know, because I I think recovery coaching is important. Uh, so I'm not gonna be one if I don't have one, right? And uh, and she she asked what I'm doing for fun these days, and that was like the hardest question I had to answer in the last five years, I think, uh, because mm-hmm. I had made my mind up. I had made decisions about some other things, like not drinking alcohol and not you know engaging in toxic relationships and things like that but when she asked me what i was doing for fun i was like oh crap i don't know i don't know and she's just like that's unacceptable yeah <laughs> she's she's like you know when, by the time the next time we meet i want you to have a list of what you do for fun um because you know what are you modeling to the people that you're coaching if mm-hmm. your life looks like work 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 serious 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 you know intentional conversations and deep, meaningful, you know, reading this book about the science of this and that she's like, why would anyone want to be you? Yeah. And I'm like, Oh crap. All right. Yeah. yeah. It's like, I got to find some fun things to do. I like it. I like escape rooms, but it's hard to do those by yourself. Right? Yeah. So, you know? Yeah, sure. I like to take a walk, but often I, 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 because of recovery, here's the dangers of recovery for me is that I make walks outside something I need to do rather yeah. than a way of being with yeah. nature. Right. Um, same thing with meditation. I fell into meditation really easily despite the anxiety and depression and all the things that were going on between my two ears. I fell into meditation and it just felt good from almost the first time I'd ever done it. Um, but now because of that, like ease of which it happened, I think I make meditation something I do rather than mm-hmm. again, a way of being with the world around me. Um, yeah. So my, 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 uh, what I'm working on in my own recovery right now is again, keeping diligent about being a human being yeah. and not a human doing. Exactly. Um, I, I'm not doing recovery. I am recovery. Yeah. Um, and I, and I, that's the lens I try to keep on most days. But, and you know, there again, cause I'm a Virgo, so I love structure. Uh, and I decompress every day and you don't, you don't mess with my decompression. You know, well, you can't, I'm relaxing. If you want to come out and talk to me, great. I don't care. Mm-hmm. But what I'm doing is I'm just letting my brain do what it needs to do, you know, and, and take care of myself. And then I usually take Sundays off. You know, I don't nice. do anything. I'll go to a meeting, mm-hmm. you know, but I don't get into any deep conversations. I stay away from, anything over emotional Mm -hmm. um and i just let me be me you know Mm -hmm. um and and be free Uh, we need that time to ourselves um because otherwise uh we're 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 addicts 
and we'll get caught up in it. And then, um, and then we turn into saviors and we're not, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. I've crossed that line before. Um, so I've, I've learned that I don't cross that and I crossed it once before (laughs) it ain't going to happen again. Um, so, and how do you do that by humility, man? Just throw some mm-hmm. humility in everything that you do. Right. You know, um, and, you know like this, I, this is only happening because of God, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the humility piece is so hard for people to, it was so hard for me. Let me keep this couched in I, I statements here, right? Um, <laughs> it was hard for me because I was raised and society it contributes to the idea that if you don't know something, right, that you are unqualified to be alive, right? Yeah. Uh, you're you're ill-equipped to be a human being if when somebody asks you a question, the answer, the response is, I don't know. But I am so glad to be in recovery because I can answer that uh, any question with, I don't know these days mm-hmm. and know that it's true, <laughs> right? Yeah. Know that I'm not trying to fill the gap with words, right, until somebody stops asking the question. Um, or, or, um, that, you know, that it's bad if I don't know, like, I love a being wrong about stuff Me too. Wrong about something. And I'm like, it's like a Christmas miracle. I'm like, it just is. when I thought I'd seen it all, or I knew it all. Somebody comes along with a new piece of information that doesn't rock me anymore. It used to rock me. I used to fight from mm-hmm. my standpoint and be yeah. like, no, whatever you're saying, you must've must be coming from a, a, poor source or something like that. Right. Because I've already, I'm already attached to this piece of knowledge that I have. So you must be wrong. I love being wrong now. Mm -hmm. Um, It's, it's seriously, it's like opening up a, opening up your mail and and getting a card from a long lost friend. Um, And, and also just being able to humbly say, I don't know, let's find out together. Um, I wish, I wish my parents had had that kind of like, I don't know, let's find out together. Yeah, um, but they didn't. Like I said earlier in the conversation, they they tried to fill in the blanks on their own understanding, mm-hmm. and anyone's own understanding is always going to be limited, right? But you get two together, and all of a sudden, like, oh, all these doors open up. Like, oh, yeah. maybe it's this, maybe it's this, maybe it's this, maybe it's this, maybe maybe what's happening right now looks shitty through your lens, but like when you, we put my lens and your lens together, all of a sudden we see the meaning in what you're going through. You know, yeah. I just I, I like the idea of walking through life wherever I am. Uh, they say the principles in all your affairs. Right. I like the idea of walking through life wherever I am, whoever I'm talking to, like I'm a trusted servant. Like my job isn't to govern or teach or like you said, mm-hmm. be savior, but just hold that person and, and serve that person however yeah. I can in the moment. Um, and then if there's a way that I wish I could have shown up for that person differently, I go find out how I can show up for somebody differently. That's it. Yep. On page 164, it says you can't transmit something you do not have. Yeah. So go get it. (laughs) That's what it's telling you to do. Go get it. Go get it. I love (laughs) that. The world is free. I want to go back to that. I don't know. Mm. I think that was the first honest thing I said in this program. Mm. When I got here, I just, I don't know anymore, mm-hmm. which I thought was a great place to be. It was a place of surrender. Mm-hmm. Um, we call it the gift of desperation. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I'm glad that I had it. And I'm, I'm with you. 
I like being wrong because now I'm learning something new. Mm-hmm. Um, and the 10th step gives me the right to be wrong. So because yeah. I'm a human being, but sometimes if I don't ask, I'm never going to know. Um, yeah. So I no longer fear if somebody's going to think that it's a stupid question or, you know, if they give me crap, I'm pretty witty. I'm going to give you a lot of crap back, make you feel like a jerk for being mean to me. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't deal well with bullies. So yeah, no, Actually, I, don't, I deal very well with bullies. That's the problem. Yeah. There's a, uh, the, you know, one of the things that I have to be careful of in my recovery, especially with bullies, is that they're sneaky, just like alcohol, cunning, baffling, powerful, right? Uh-huh. And so even just going on like some social media platforms without recognizing myself as being bullied, I'm being yep. coerced, I'm being bullied by images I see, the yep. expectations being portrayed that you uh-huh. stay forever young, you know, you're using these fake filters, you're, mm-hmm. you know, promoting only the good parts of your life and not the ugly parts of your life or vice versa. You're promoting only the ugly parts of your life to like hotwire connection and make people feel feelings that are mm-hmm. like authentic, right? Like yeah. pity and, and sorrow and worry and uh, all that the kind emotional of stuff, appeal. Right? Yep. Yeah, exactly. So like I, I stay off of things like Instagram. I'll watch TikTok, but I'll only watch like funny pet videos um, because I don't like the feeling I get after I've been on social media for okay. a few hours, you know, or even a few minutes sometimes because I feel bullied. I feel bullied by, you know, even by by what appears to be self-help stuff, right? Like, yeah. feel this today. I'm like, don't tell me how to feel, my friend. You know? <laughs> like, feel gratitude today, you know, share your gratitude. I'm like, don't tell me what to do, <laughs> you know? I'm like, I'll do it. I already do that. Um, but, I, you know, that sort of, like, constant flow that you see on some things where nobody's laughing, uh, mm-hmm. it's always about do more, be more, be your best self. You know what? My good self is enough today. It My is. Good self is enough. I, I stopped. Or the, you know, or, you know, uh, the one that, the ones that I kind of chuckle at are the ones that say that they're fighting stigma because I already know the, I already know the outcome. You're going to lose. You're going <laughs> to yeah. be gone in six months because you cannot fight stigma. Right. If you fight it, you will lose. You've already lost because we stopped fighting. Right. Now we come into agreement with it. So I love to educate on stigma. I love to, when somebody has some stigma, I love to educate and use my own story because it's pretty sad. So I'll make yeah. you feel bad first for <laughs> saying that. <laughs> and then I'm going to, yeah. In the sometimes, right sometimes, yeah. Sure. If you do it the right way. Um, and it isn't about changing somebody's mind. It's about making sure they have the information they need to make a, a decision. The rest right. of it's not my, none of my business. Yeah. If that I'm person has stigma, I'm moving on. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious if you could tell me more about that. Because like in the restaurant industry, there is so much stigma about a boss or a coworker sharing what they're going through. You know, we're told, leave your shit at the door. Like, don't bring that like mumbo jumbo in here, you know. I don't care if you're in recovery. This isn't the place to talk about that. It's almost like recovery and mental health is up with the don't talk about sports, religion, or politics, you know? Okay. Um, so how, how, how can people in the restaurant industry, um, you know, not defeat stigma because that's impossible, but how can we get 
past it, through it, around it? How do you how do you teach about stigma? I, I, I think the best way to teach people about stigma is the uh, number one is uh, being the best person that you can each day. So number one, if you want to if you want to work on changing stigma, then your honesty better be there. You better have some awareness about yourself because these people will pick you apart. Mm. And if you're not comfortable with yourself, they're going to gaslight you and you're going to go around and crying. Mm. So, so you be an example. If somebody says something, you know, or, or does something, be a smart ass to them. Mm. You know, don't let them get away with it. Usually, I found that usually stigma comes around something. Mm-hmm. And it's usually a death in the family. Okay. So let's remember that they have stigma for a reason. So if you can find out their trigger, because it's a trigger. Mm-hmm. Because when people say stigma, blah, 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 see how they get, they get, they get their, their arms come up. They do all the, what is that? That's trauma. That's uh-huh. unsupported trauma. Right. Which means something has happened to them. Maybe maybe they watched their mom die from alcoholism. Okay. You don't know. And they hate it. Um, my mother-in-law hates me to this day because I'm in recovery. Hmm. Okay. She doesn't believe me. She thinks it's not that people are not capable of doing it because mm-hmm. she's been married twice and they were both alcoholic. One, I think one died and the other, no, no, he didn't die. He's still around, Mm. but they're both still using. So she doesn't believe that it's possible. That's her truth. That's her truth. Right. Right. Well, or her false, right? Like her false. Because on some, some level deep down inside, she loves you no matter what. I mean, we're, we're, that's what's written on our heart when we're born is love everyone. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, But it sounds like her, her experience is covering up her truth and so she's blocked from loving you in recovery. Right? Yeah. Did yeah. she did she love you when you were in addiction? No. 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 So it so it sounds like it it's the drunk it's the drunk in me. Yeah. And she never believed she doesn't believe that I'm five years sober. Mm. She doesn't believe that that's possible. Wow. So a denial. It's denial. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Um since she couldn't accomplish that, neither can anybody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's a little bit older. I'm not going to be able to change that. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to utilize the serenity prayer for that. Right. Well, you I know? think you just hit like on the absolute core of stigma, right? Um, especially like going back to like, how do we eliminate it in our workplaces? What you just said unlocked something for me because the people around me don't have the words to describe their own mental health me having them, me having Mm -hmm. the words to describe what I'm experiencing puts them into like immediate, instead of immediate withdrawal, immediate resentment, right? They're like, who are you to talk about your mental health and recovery? Who the fuck are you? Who are you, right? I don't have those words, so you're not allowed to have them either. Yeah. Um, And so, yeah, like I can't recover, so you're not allowed to recover um, instead of like putting that down and saying, I can't recover. How did you do it? Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, and, and I could understand, you know, because in a way I can understand, because uh, I was in sales for a long time, that we leave our problems at the door, mm-hmm. right? That doesn't mean you get to come and be a jackhole. 
Right. Yeah. We're working as a team and it's kind of like getting, doing God's work. I'm removing things so that I can be more clear to do God's work. In this case, um, I get what they're saying and it's a reasonable expectation. We're paying you to do something. Mm-hmm. Okay. But then that means you have to stay in the realm of that. Yes, chef. Do this, chef. Mm-hmm. Trash needs to go out. Otherwise, no feelings, no, you know, no crying in baseball kind of yeah. a thing. That can be tough to do if you're, you know, someone like me, I have PTSD. I can't leave it at the door. Right. So right. I'm not going well, to work there. Not only that, but it's like, okay, so here in my situation, um, you know, and, and a lot of other people's situation, right? You're bringing more with you into the back door of your restaurant than your knife roll or your apron full of pens if you're a server, right? Um, sure. But your employer is paying, say, $15 an hour or whatever to have the whole you do the fucking job. Pardon my French. Yeah. Like to do the job, right? Um, when you leave your trauma, when you leave your depression, when you leave the sadness over, you know, leaving your kids in daycare, whatever it is, when you leave that uh, at the door, you're leaving part of yourself. So your employer is not getting the whole you. Yeah. Uh, and, and when you leave I part agree. of yourself at the door like that, you're leaving part of your mind, right? Which you need to do your job somewhere else, right? Yeah. By, by coming in and naming it, it was really hard for me to leave my kids so to daycare today. It is up to the employer to create a safe space for you. It I is their that, job to do that. I don't 100% agree with that statement uh, because then we momify and datify our, our owners, Right, or the rest yeah, of that's the true. managers and all that that's kind of a, stuff. That's a good point. Yeah. And if we make them responsible, we're making ourselves irresponsible, right? And and that puts us into like yeah, that's a, that's right? a, just a shift of power and control. It's a good right. point. So See, I think actually, but we don't know unless we ask, right? See, yeah. my yeah. mind thought on that wouldn't be okay for some things, but in this situation, no. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's not up to our employers to make a safe environment other than like the legal stuff, like making sure that there's no toxic waste and the sewage is piped properly and all that kind of stuff. It's up to each one of us to speak our 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 thoughts and our feelings about what it looks like to be safe. And it is our employer's responsibility to listen to and to take action upon the collective voice in a workspace. Mm-hmm. I don't want the state of Colorado coming in and saying every restaurant now has to have a mental health therapist on staff. <laughs> you know, I, I don't want over umbrella legislation on this kind of stuff. I want each workplace to say, these are our working agreements, right? Just like when you start a webinar or something like that, here's the working agreements. Here's how we're going to treat each other. Here's what's going to happen when we don't treat each other in alignment with those principles. Here's what we're going to do when we've made a mistake. Here's how we correct it, right? Like the oops and ouch that you hear about in a lot of, Mm -hmm. um, you know, webinars and stuff like that. Like I did not mean to do that. Please forgive me. The other person says, ouch, that hurts. It might take Mm -hmm. a while to forgive you, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, it's again, this is where my anger came from in 2016. They're doing this well in organizations outside of the restaurant industry. They're doing this right. well at Google. They're doing this well at Amazon. They're doing this well at the UCC. They're doing this well at the you know Montessori schools. They're doing this well at Whole Foods. Why can't we do it in the restaurant industry? We are so convinced that if the scarcity mindset that there's not enough time that there's not enough butts in the seats in the restaurant to pay for somebody to come in and mediate a town hall with our employees, uh, that there's not enough, uh, you know, 
hours in a day or there's no convenient day to get all our staff here at one time. We've seen if the pandemic hasn't shut you down, what's the odds that shutting down for four hours on a Monday is going to shut is going to close your business? Yeah. If your if your success is in such a thin margin there that like listening to your employees for an extra five minutes is going to is going to bankrupt you. Should you be in business? Yeah. <laughs> should you be in the business? Mm. So, a good yeah. point. Maybe um, maybe Chow could maybe advocate something like that where, you know, you just have a team that, you know, they pay you 200 bucks. You can show up once a month and, and help them out. There's there's a couple of different ways to go about that. You could probably even get some grant money for that. Right. And then they don't even have to pay for it. Yeah. Well, in fact, Chow is all grant funded. So none of our That's services fantastic. cost anybody anything, including employers who would want something like that to go down. Uh, the, the problem and we all know this as addicts and alcoholics and people in recovery and, and formerly incarcerated and you name it, uh, whatever your problem is, you got to be willing to admit you have it. Mm -hmm. And so what a lot of restaurants are doing is just denying that there's a problem. You know, we've gone into the back door of restaurants and been like, here's a support group for your workers. And they're like, we're fine. Thanks. Yeah. They sweep it under down the, the street, rug. maybe down the street, that place. You know, oh yeah. Those shop, people are horrible. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, yeah. When we leave at night at one o'clock, we see them leaving all drunk. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Never mind, you're leaving at the same time uh -huh. drunk. So, um, so, so wrapping up here, do you have anything that you'd like to kind of, um, as far as Chow, I'll make sure that when I post it, we put up some numbers and I'll put up the mm -hmm. website, things like that. Sure. Um, but I really do appreciate you you coming on and sharing. This was a this was a fun talk. Um, yeah. It was neat to kind of cover a lot of different things. Uh, what I'm hearing is a lot of meeting people where they are at and providing the correct resources, uh, the right resources for the right places. This is good stuff and and stuff Colorado really needs right now. Yeah, thank you. Um, I, the only thing I can say is uh, all are welcome, right, to the child meetings. We're a peer support group. We're not a behavioral health organization. Uh, you don't have to be sober or or heading towards sobriety or abstinence to, to be one of us. You don't have to have yeah. a mental health diagnosis. Our foundation and the foundation of peer support is in shared lived experiences. And so ours is the shared lived experiences of working in the restaurant industry and the side effects of that. Yeah. Well, and we have found that our way can work for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. it, it really can. I've watched some normies do the steps and, and enjoy the same benefits mm -hmm. uh, that I got. Yes, there's, yes. There's no reason. So even if you're sober curious, doesn't mm -hmm. matter. Mm -hmm. um, you're welcome. That, yeah. That's the thing. So. So uh, come on and home. Let's have some come fun on. too. Yeah, let's have some fun. Uh, that's why we love working with people like Duke from uh, the Sober AF Entertainment. That's why uh -huh. we love working with people over at the Phoenix Gym. Uh, you know, come the warmer weather, we'll be back out there again. Hopefully, hosting picnics and, and uh, badminton and and all that kind of stuff. So it's like. Uh, one of the, I think that's one of the reasons, you know, it's, it's that uncanny universe speaking through people. Um, yeah. you know, I think one of the reasons my coach is asking me, how do I have fun is because this is the year where I show other people how to have fun. Yeah. I think that's a good idea. That is one thing that I do is, uh, you know, whenever, 
and I have a sponsee or something that's a little bit new in the program, I ask them, you know, what do you like to do? Mm-hmm. You know, let's and let's hook you up with like-minded people. Well, I like bowling. Oh, we can get you on a bowling league. Let's go, mm-hmm. you know. And because we got to fill that time with something that's meaningful or it's not going to, it's not going to stick. So yeah. can you um, get me connected with an AA bowling league? Cause I, I just moved here from Minnesota and I'll throw this out to your entire audience. I just moved here from Minnesota in um, August and I have been sort of like work, work, work Melinda since I got here, but oh, I, I want to know fun. So if there's a thread uh, where people want to post fun stuff, uh, I would love to go bowling. I'd love to go golfing. I'd love to go hiking. Um, okay. I don't know what else I'm physically capable of doing, but uh, if there are groups out there that are doing this, I haven't found them yet. So okay. uh, help me out. Um, so, recover the funds real good. They're, they're more in the Springs area though. So, um, okay. but there is, there is a lot of stuff and when it gets warmer, that's when a lot of more things will happen. Sure. Uh, we'll sure. be having parties in the park and, uh, yeah. I know trudging together and stay so Colorado, we're still planning on doing some events together. Um, so we do have some events coming up. I know that the Phoenix is having a sober party next weekend. Okay. Um, sober underground has something going on. I think they have a rap group tonight. Um, so yeah, they're um, sober undergrounds in Littleton. Okay. Um, off Littleton Boulevard there. So. Okay. You're welcome, awesome. Chris, even though you were mean to me. Oh. I, I tried to book with them, and they blew me off, but I don't oh. care. All right. Go down there. It's fun, guys. Sober right. Underground. Yeah, Sober Underground. Okay. It's and a pretty cool place. Sober Colorado is the other one you mentioned? Sober Colorado is a uh, Facebook group. Okay. And you said Recovering is Fun is the other one? Uh, recover the for, Fun. Recover yeah. the Fun. Okay. Yeah, and Recover the, the Fun. Rachel... Rachel runs that. That's it blows my mind. There's so many organizations that I can't even keep track of them all. These are three brand new resources. I've been here six months and I did not know about. So thank you. I'm going to. Yeah, we have a lot of resources here. Um, tread lightly. Okay. You know how it works. You guys, it, it it's just the fact of the matter. Just because somebody's in recovery doesn't mean you can trust them. Uh-huh. So do your due diligence. You know, talk to people, give people time mm-hmm. and remember that they're human, right? And they'll put them up on pedestals and stuff. They're human. Yeah. So, all right, um, Melinda, thank you so much for being on with me today. Uh, I really uh, enjoyed getting to know you. And I think this is going to definitely help with our relationship uh, with rap also, mm-hmm. which I'm looking forward to working with you on. Um, as for my audience, thank you everybody for, for being here for being a part of, um, you know, what can we take from today? Well, meeting people where, where they are at doing, doing things in our life that are intentionally trying to help other people while not taking any of the credit or expecting anything in return. That is what recovery is about. And that is the joy of recovery. Why do we not need anything in return? Because we already got God. This is Dion signing off. I love you guys. Peace out and have a day.